love what's happening with your building. You guys probably get a chance like every week to like see it and you know, but for, for us, we haven't been up for a while to, so seeing what, what God is doing there is awesome. Um, today, I also want to let you know that we're, you guys are working hard to make that happen. You know, I know that, that there is a lot of sacrifice and giving. Um, recently, I, I, we were informed and told that there's some unexpected costs and we know those always happen. Uh, in, a, in a brand new building like this. And so today I want to just let you know that on behalf of myself as the district supervisor and the district council, we made a decision to, to invest even more in your building. And so uh, this week you'll be receiving a check from the Northeast Atlantic District in the amount of $20,000 to go toward the ex continued expansion of your building. It's our honor to do it. And... Um, now that I've shared that with you, you know that this is going to be a good message because you can't say it's bad after that, no. <laughs> well, today I do want to talk to you about it. something I believe is a, is a blessing, is an encouragement. How many of you like encouraging messages? But also with encouragement, many times comes an action on our part, which can be a little bit of a challenge. And so there's going to be encouragement and challenge mixed in the same word today. And uh, I want to start by just by asking you, did you guys have a great uh, Independence Day, 4th of July? How many of you had a good time on 4th of July? You went to a cookout, or you hung out with family, or you saw fireworks, or, you know, all those things that we do. And the best part is you had the day off, most of you, right? I love having days off like that, where, you know, you... you pretty much have to because everything closes and if it doesn't everything's really low-key and uh, Lisa and I had an opportunity to to go out to Annapolis and we love that area but one thing we don't like about going to Annapolis is the traffic but guess what because it was a holiday it was no traffic and we love that part of having those days off one of the things that I'm most thankful for is that when these holidays come that you really can actually put down your email. You can actually, you know, focus on the things that are restful on your family and maybe your neighbors and just kind of be okay with not having to work. Well, today I want to talk about the gift that God gives us. He gives us a holiday every week. It's called Sabbath. Now, I don't know if you know what Sabbath is, or it kind of sounds like a really Old Testament kind of thing, and maybe you think, well, I can't do that every week. I can't have a holiday every week, you know, uh, Thanksgiving every week. Imagine what that would be like, turkey and dressing, uh, or Easter every week, you know. How can you do that? Especially in our day, in our life, where things don't stop, right? It seems like you know, especially if you, if you have a job where you're working hourly, you know, you're getting paid hourly, you know you got to put in the hours. Or if you have a small family, how do you stop that, you know, the life with kids and all of that? How do things just stop and slow down and pause? And, you know, then I think about what your church and all that you're doing. How do you pause when you're doing a building project and you're reaching people in the community and you're in a portable situation as a church and you've got small groups and you've got all of that going on, you're doing all of this hard work. Well, I think you're a church that gets it, though, because even the fact that your pastors are on sabbatical right now, Pastor Mark and Jerry are able to take this extended time of rest, shows me that you value what it is to be refreshed, to give a place of uh, for, a, for a pastor who's working hard to take a break and to be able to reflect and then to return strong. 
That's a blessing, and I admire you and commend you for doing that. But not all of us can take sabbaticals, right? Wouldn't it be nice if, you know, you said to the kids, the little ones, so you guys are on your own, we are taking a sabbatical, right? You can't do that. You still have life going on. But one thing that you can do, and the thing that I want to talk to you about today is that as great as it may be to take our extended vacations or sabbaticals, there is this thing that comes every week, a gift that God gives us every week called Sabbath. And Sabbath is God's gift of pause, of pause. How many of you would admit right today, come on, let's, I want you to all be honest. Now, we are, we are in Gettysburg. You know, there, this, this is the place where Honest Abe gave his address. So I want some honesty here. How many of you would admit to say, I need a break? Come on, I need a break. Look, look at someone and say, you need a break. Come on, turn to them, say, you need a break. Or maybe say, I need a break from you. No, don't say that to them. <laughs> Please don't say that. <laughs> We all can admit that there are times where we just need a break. And this whole idea of Sabbath, it's kind of old school. Who takes a Sabbath, you may think? What is a Sabbath? Do I really need a Sabbath? Well, what Sabbath is, is God saying to us, slow down, rest, refresh, breathe. (laughs) He says, you're going too fast, you're doing too much, your life is too disjointed, you need some margin in your life every week. You know what margin is? You know, when you read a novel or read even your Bible or a book, around the page, you'll notice the words just don't flow from the very tip-top on the left all the way down. There is margin on that page that helps you to, to understand it, that helps you to take it in, that makes it attractive to actually read. And that's how our lives are as well. If we're going nonstop, never having a break, there's no margin in your life, you're going to be spent. You're going to be tired. What do you have to give to others? There's no value that you have when you're just going nonstop. So here's the question, because I know we ask it. I only get, we only have 24 hours in the day, only have seven days a week, and I still can't get everything done. I still can't accomplish all that I want to do. How in the world can I take one of those days off? How can I do 24-6 and still make it? If you're thinking in a human way, you know what, you're right. But Sabbath is a supernatural thing. It's kind of like giving. For those of you that know the concept of tithing, giving 10%, the first fruit, it's like, how do I live on 90%? Well, you know if you've walked through it, it's better to live on that 90% because God fills in the gaps. And it's the same way with Sabbath. It's the same way with any kind of sacrificial living. In a purely human way, there's no way. But Sabbath is a spiritual thing. It's God saying, if you obey me and take one day, where you let me interrupt you, then the six days will get even more mileage. It's, it's just a biblical concept. Unfortunately, though, you and I are like these two raccoons up on this, on this picture here. They were looking at a billboard for the insomnia clinic, and they read this. Do you have dark circles under your eyes? Do you stay awake at night? They were like, yeah, that's us. That's how we live our lives. We're just going and going and going. So I want to ask you, what is it going to take for you and I to slow down and to look at Sabbath 
as a gift from God. Now, I want to emphasize gift because here's the thing. If you're not careful, you could start to look at Sabbath as this legalistic principle that if you don't do it, you're in big trouble. And that's not what it is. It's God saying to you, here's a gift. I want you to enjoy it. I don't want you to define it in a way that, you know, it's so exhausting to think, how could I ever do this? No. Bible actually says there is a work, though, to Sabbath. It takes effort. It takes effort to rest. Because we would just kind of keep going, just nonstop. So let's look what the Bible says about this. Of course, we're going to turn to, some, to an air, a passage of Scripture that even if you your very first time opening the Bible, you heard about this section because it's called the Ten Commandments. How many of you believe the Ten Commandments are still relevant today? Come on, seriously. I mean, could we like scratch out some of them and say, well, that doesn't like, you know, this whole thing about making God the only God and not worshiping idols, eh, that's optional today. This thing about honoring your father and mother, yeah, maybe not so much today. That's not as important. Or, you know, not committing adultery or stealing. No, of course, we would say all of these things are relevant and important for today. And so let's look at one of the commandments that is found in Exodus chapter 20. It's verses 8 through 11. It says, remember, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. I love the way it says it. This is the, the, um, English, the English Standard Version. It says your ordinary work, the things that you typically do, the things that are routine, you have six days for that. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons and daughters and kids that are in the house and They may say amen. Your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. That is why the Lord gave us the Sabbath as a gift. It's interesting, a couple of things in this passage that you may or may not have noticed before. The first thing, it's the longest of all the Ten Commandments. You go to look at verse, the shortest one is found in verse 15. You must not steal. That's it. I mean, no explanation, kind of because we all get it, right? We, yeah, of course, we don't take what doesn't belong to us. We don't need a long reason for, to know why we shouldn't do that. But notice this verse here is the longest of all of them because we need more specifics. We need to understand why do we need this, Lord? What is this all about? How is it a blessing? And, and then the Lord shows us how he modeled it. It says it's a Sabbath to the Lord, not for the Lord. God doesn't need it. We need it. It's unto the Lord. It's holy to the Lord because it causes us to remember him to focus on Him. It causes us to realize that this is a day where He loves us in spite of what we do or don't do. This is a day to remind us that we need Him and we need to trust Him more than we ever have. 
I love the way Jesus said it because Jesus was accused, by the way, of breaking the Sabbath, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But this is what Jesus said when they accused him of that. He said, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. It was given to man as a gift. When the religious leaders saw the way Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, he was rescuing people on the Sabbath, he was doing good feeding on the Sabbath. They said, he's breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus said, no, 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 you got it wrong. See, the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. The religious ones, on the other hand, they, want, they made it a, about law and rule, and there was no enjoyment of the Sabbath. So Jesus turned it around, and he said, it is a gift. We don't serve it, it serves us. That's what it means to be unto the Lord. The whole idea of living our life 24-6 instead of 24-7, it reminds us that it doesn't all depend upon us. You know, that should be refreshing to us to think, wow, Lord, it doesn't depend on me. That I can actually take a day, a season in, in our week where it's like a, ho a holiday, a holy day where we can just rest, we can do those things that refresh us, we can do those things that give you honor, and it doesn't all depend on us. So here's my question. Can you trust God enough to do something like this, to pause? Because in the attitude of the Pharisees that were accusing Jesus, they, they didn't know how to rest. They were accused of being taskmasters, not Jesus. They were the ones who were worried about, if we don't do this, will God still love us? No, it's, no, God loves you, that's why he's given it to you. A Sabbath to the Lord is not a bondage, it is freedom to rest and trust. So here's another thing that's interesting in this passage from the Ten Commandments. It says that the Lord rested on the seventh day. Think about that. God creates the world, and on the seventh day, it says he rested. Now, why did he rest? Do you think that God was tired? Do you think that, you know, he was just, he made all this stuff and he got to the broccoli and he just said, man, that broccoli just wore me out. I need to take a break. That God was so exhausted that he rested. No, that's not what it says. It says that he did it in order to model to us what we need. He modeled Sabbath to us. He did what he didn't need to do to show us what we do need to do. I like to say it like this. God did what man should do so that man doesn't try and do what only God can do. And you and I, sometimes we don't realize it, but we're making ourselves like little gods because we're just going and going and going. I know I've been guilty of that. It's like, God, it, it, it depends on me. I remember when Lisa and I took a sabbatical at our church when we were pastoring there. It was about 10 years in. Um, so we had pastored for 10 years. We were in, I, I believe we just completed a building project, just like you guys are in. And it was, we knew that it was our season to take a, a time away, a sabbatical. And that was so hard for us because I was thinking, well, first of all, you know, I'm not going to be able to enjoy this brand new building right away. And then I thought, well, you know, but how are they going to do it without me? And, and then I started to think about, man, if we come back, this whole thing could just like fall apart. You know, I was, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised. I was disappointingly surprised how they did without me. <laughs> I think Pastor Mark and Jerry are going to be happy that things are so well, even though they're not here. But I thought it all depended on me. 
I thought that it was all about me, that, that if I didn't keep going and going, then things would fall apart. But God is modeling here. He's saying, I- I'm going to rest and show you how you need to learn to rest as well. The fact that we see God modeling it, he's saying, don't push yourself beyond your limits. At the very beginning of creation, he shows us how to rest. And by the way, even though it was the seventh day that the Lord rested, here's an interesting thing you may have never, never realized. It was the first day of man's creation. It, in other words, God creates man, and the very first day, you know what he tells man to do? Do nothing. Rest. Which kind of goes to show that his heart for us is not that we work in order to get his favor, but that just that we can be in his presence, be with him, trust in him, and that even in our rest, we have purpose. So when our kids were little, I remember we have three kids, and they're three years apart and then two years apart. And so there was a season where, you know, we had a couple of toddlers, and, you know, and, and it, it was, first of all, it was exhausting for us, right? You guys know those seasons, but I remember when my kids would get exhausted. Wow. They would be, you know, they'd be going all day doing something. And, and it's like they didn't know how to stop. They would just keep going and go. I mean, they'd have sweat running down their face. And, you know, and then the little one would be in Lisa's arms doing the old back arch. You know, remember that, ladies? You know, crying. And it's just like, okay, nap time, nap time. And then you had to convince them, right? So you, you know, you tell them, Let, let's, let's go in your room, let's lay down. Let's, then we rub their heads and maybe read a, bu- a story and sing a song. And before long, we were all having nap time, including us. <laughs> that, we need, that we needed to woo our children in, for their own good, to rest. I think the Lord does that for us. Sometimes, unfortunately, we're brought into a forced rest. I don't think that's his goal for us, his will for us. He would rather us say, here's the gift. Enjoy it. Plan for it. Because we do have to plan for it. Because especially in our culture, it's so easy just to keep going. How many of you have one of these, right? I mean, this is supposed to make our um, life easier, right? It's supposed to make things simpler so we have more time. But it doesn't work that way. You're getting all kinds. I just got a text message just when I just turned this on, for instance. Now I'm really distracted. No. <laughs> but that's how it is. I mean, you could be, you know, just sitting at the pool or, you know, maybe just kind of to read, reading a book. Just re- and then, boom, you know, something, a, a notification. Turn off your notification. In fact, maybe turn these off once a week. Well, what happens if I get a call? So, what happens if you get a call? Well, what, what if it's an emergency? Weren't there emergencies before these things? I mean, we think that if we don't, our life depends on being connected all the time. So, here's what I want to encourage you to do because if you can't do something like this, if you can't engage, for one day a week, and not the things that drain you, but the things that energize you. Because really, Sabbath is about that. And we all are energized different ways. Like for me, 
because of the season that we're in in our life. We, I'm doing a, quite a bit of traveling. I'm um, meeting with people, and then I'm in the office. So for me, the thing that energizes me, the thing that makes that's a, like a Sabbath rest to me, is when I'm home, and when I'm out mowing the lawn or doing something outside. That energizes me. Now you say, well, isn't that work mowing the lawn? Well, it isn't to me. Now, if you're a landscaper, you probably aren't going to do that on your day off. Please don't. Or whatever your job is, think about changing your routine. Because I love the way Scripture said it here. Remember, it said, from your ordinary work. Six days, your ordinary work. Oh, that's another thing. This isn't an out to take seven days of Sabbath. It's one day of Sabbath. Six days of work. I am tempted, just like you are, to open my laptop, check my email, see if there's anything pressing. Because I'm thinking, hey, it's my day off, so I want to make sure when I my start my next day, I'm not like overloaded with it. But that doesn't work that way. Don't worry about that. Trust that God will take care of it. Here, here's a, another scripture that I want to tell, just read to you. And this is the Old Testament. So we know that it, it's a little bit different today under the New Covenant, right? But here's an interesting thing because it's the same, it's the concept, it's the example that's shown here about somebody who doesn't get what it is to slow down and trust God to take care of him. It's found in Numbers 15. And it says that one day there was, the people of Israel were in the wilderness and they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath. The people who found him doing this took him to Moses and Aaron and the rest of the community. They held him in custody because they didn't know what to do with him. And I thought, well, why is that that they didn't know what to do with him? Probably because he was a really good man. He was a really hard worker. There wasn't like this obvious kind of sin going on in his life. But the Lord said to Moses, the man needs to be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. And that's what they did. And I thought, first thing I think is, Lord, I am glad I'm not alive in that time frame. Because I wouldn't be alive right now then. Right? I mean, if, if this was applicable exactly like this, this would be really, really hard. But the point is bigger than that. This is not just about a man being punished. It's really about this whole idea of not trusting God for one day. It seems severe. I know it. I mean, what has he done? He didn't murder anyone. He didn't commit adultery. All he did was gather wood on the Sabbath. But here's the thing. For one day, just one day, he wouldn't stop. He won't lay down his load. He's trapped. He's not in freedom. He's burdened. For one day, he won't trust God to take care of him and his needs. And you know what? It's killing him. I think there are some of us, that's how our life has been. Just can't stop. Let me tell you, as a district supervisor, we get a lot of calls to our office from churches and pastors and even sometimes church councils. And there are some times where, you know, if, if something if a pastor does something that is really obvious and sinful, we need to know about it. In other words, if a pastor commits adultery, if a pastor steals, th then the church council gets a hold of us and says, we need help, we need to bring restoration, we need to figure this out. But do you know that if that same pastor 
works seven days a week, doesn't stop, is, not, is just like going, going, going. Do you know what that church council will do? They will give that pastor a raise. Isn't that interesting? And yet it's one of the same sets of the commandments. A friend of mine who's a pastor in um, Portland, Oregon, he's got a really young congregation in a part of the country that's um, very, very liberal. And so the message that he, messages he preaches to his church would be probably different than some of the ones that Pastor Mark and others share here. Like, for instance, he told me he had a whole series on why it was uh, not a good idea to smoke pot. All right? So, I mean, you get it. That's the congregation that he's dealing with. And other th- kind of messages like that. But you know he said that the one message that the people got most angry with him at was when he talked to them about Sabbath. Because it doesn't make sense to our frame of thinking. Why? What's the point? Why pause? I think that for all of us here, for you, for me, we've got to plan it. We've got to ask ourselves, Lord, how can I do this in the midst of my life? You know, you, so you're all at different seasons. Some of you got little kids that are in sports. I remember those days, and I wish we would have done it differently. I have to admit to you. If we could go back, I would have, we would have taught our kids that this is the day of the Lord. For many of you, it's going to be a Sunday. For pastors, probably not. For some of you, it may be, you know, sundown one day to sundown the next day. Maybe it'll be a portion of one day and a portion of another. We're not trying to describe how you do it, but we are saying God's given you this gift. When I was younger, I remember our Sundays. I'm from a, a... on my dad's side, is, uh, we're, it's an Italian-American family. And, um, man, Sundays were awesome. I would go to church and then go to my grandmother's on Sunday. And we, um, you just, you, before I even got to her house, I could smell the aroma of the sauce brewing on the stove. And it was just mouth-watering. We would go in and she would have the sauce and the meatballs and the brujol and the manicotti and the fresh Italian bread. And oh, and it was like a, a holiday every Sunday. Some of you remember those times. Think about when you were growing up, what was Sunday like? That's when usually the meal was, right? That's when the family came together. We've lost so much of that. And God gives you permission to regain it. And it will look different for every one of you, but here's the truth. When you pause, what happens is you truly acknowledge God. When you receive this gift of Sabbath, you're saying, Lord, it doesn't depend upon me. That God created the world, and you know what? It can keep going without me for a day. He's got it in control. You acknowledge Him. When we pause... We refresh our soul. It's a refreshing time. When we pause, we are made right by His work and not by our own. And when we pause, we let God be God and not us. Lord, it's, it's your job to hold it all together. It's your job to make it happen. When we pause, we find significance, not just in our work, but in our rest. Can you imagine that? That the Lord looks at us and says, yes. I love you even when you're not having to work and labor. 
Sabbath is God's gift to all of us. We raised our children and we lived for many years in New Hampshire. And um, during the school year, there was one, there was several times during the school year where a special day came. It was called a snow day. And I remember our kids would not get up early for school, but when they knew it was going to snow, they were up at the break of dawn looking on the television to see if their school would scroll across the bottom that it was closed. And then when it was, it was, yes, snow day! God gives you a snow day every week. It's okay. It's okay to rest, to be refreshed. Don't be so worried Matthew 6.33 says, You seek first the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all the rest will be added. Which is why I think it's interesting that although Sabbath was the seventh day for God, it was the first day for man. Because he's saying, start understanding that it's okay, that you could rest in me. I want to close by offering you this gift. By offering you the gift of Sabbath, the gift of pause. As I do, I just want to close with a final story. I was, um, we were at a season in the life where we were pastoring the church and there was so much going on and our kids were young and there was just activity after activity and appointment after appointment and just life was just crazy. And I would look at my calendar and I would see sometimes not just that day but through the week. It was like there was no gaps in between. And it was a, it was a week like that that a friend called me and he said, Pastor Peter, I've got four tickets to the Celtics game and I want you to have them. And it was for the next day when I had all kinds of stuff on my schedule. And, and you know, we lived a little bit away from Boston so we would have to plan around traffic. And I said, I'm just going to have to get back to you. And as I thought about that, I thought, this is a gift. And I called them back and said, we'll take them. Cancel all the appointments, postpone different things, got my two boys, myself and my brother, and we, we went to that game. And I have to tell you, there was part of me that was struggling. Man, are people going to feel like I disappointed them? God, is this okay? It's almost like you had this sense of guilt. But while we were at the game, I forgot about that. I enjoyed it. Watch the Celtics when they were good. <laughs> and they won. And you know what? The next day, came back, got in a little late because of we, were, we were out of town. Drove in late. Came back and, and I can't believe it. Tomorrow still came. Nothing fell apart. No one acted like they were mad at me or disappointed. Do you trust God enough that if he dropped you some tickets, you would take him up on it? That if he dropped a full day every week and said, here's a gift for you. You got to figure out how you're going to do it. You got to plan it. I mean, for me, one of the things I've been convicted of is writing on my calendar once a week, Sabbath. And it could be a different day depending on your season or your life or your schedule, but doing that because I don't think we'll do it if we don't plan for it. And, and we may not get it right every time either. 
But that's the wonderful thing. This is not a legalistic thing. This is a freeing thing. No matter what age you're at, if you're young, it's a good time to start thinking about it. If you're older and you say, wow, I missed it. No, don't, you didn't. It's a good time to start planning for it. Here, here's the thing I want to just let you know, that Sabbath is not a condition for getting into heaven. Okay, you get that, right? It's not like, oh man, I broke the Sabbath, I'm not going to get into heaven. No, Sabbath is not a condition of getting, for getting into heaven, but it is the condition that heaven will be in once you and I get there. In the presence of the Lord, at rest, refreshed, realize that it's all Jesus, not us. Let me pray with you today. God, I thank you for this congregation, a congregation that knows what it is to worship you and appreciate you, be sacrificial toward you, celebrate you. Lord, even in the hard work of this new building that they're doing, Lord God, and the, the hard work of reaching this community, Lord, they know what it is to put their hand to the plow and not look back. Lord, to be workers in the vineyard. Lord, I thank you for them that, they're that they have those hearts. But Lord, I also know that like all of us in this culture we live in, so often we measure our worth based upon our work. So often we don't want to disappoint others. So often, Lord, we don't see any other way than to keep going, running without margin. And yet, Lord, you drop us from heaven a day every week, a gift. I pray, Lord, that for everyone in this congregation that they would begin to practice Sabbath. Talk about it as a family. Pray about it. Seek you, Lord God, and receive this gift of pause, this understanding, Lord, that it doesn't depend upon us and that you love us so much that you give us refreshing like that, Lord God. Bless them, Lord. Continue to use them in ways beyond their imagination so they can stand back and say, Lord, it was you and not us. Lord, I thank you for Gettysburg Foursquare. I thank you, Lord, for their hearts after you. I thank you, Lord, for them blessing their pastors. And Lord, I thank you for getting, having them receive today anew, maybe for the first time, maybe just reminding them, Lord, of the gift of Sabbath that you give all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.